Hey, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to the I-5 Corridors podcast. You can see us. Actually, if you're listening, you can't, but today is the first time we're putting this on YouTube as well. Tyson Alger here, met, joined by Shane Hoffman. Met, too. Met, yeah, it it's, 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 it's nice to meet you here, Shane. Yeah. How, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. You know, we've been doing this in person for about a month now, uh, which has been a lot more fun than Zoom, but it feels a little bit more official now that we got the camera. I... The in-person has been a lot better because you can actually talk over each other. You can interrupt. You can see yeah. kind of stuff. We interrupt I, each other all the time. I, so. I do think that we're still kind of honing in the audio um, on the in-person because when you do it remotely, both guys are just uploading their stuff to Zoom. But um, we're getting there. But it's by it's it's, it's by week, and you know this isn't a week off for us. This is actually just a week to get better, just like the Oregon Ducks who are five and zero. Oh, up to number what are they in the latest AP six seven yeah something like I mean that. like they're 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 pretty good as I wrote in uh, my column this week a little bit of a hot take from you a little bit of a hot like I, I wasn't necessarily trying to like come out and say like Oregon is the best team in the country Plashkey um, style yeah well that's that's kind of what was in my head throughout the whole time writing is if if you go back and look at the start of the season full page in uh, the LA Times was a USC is going to go undefeated. Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman again. Like, here is all the hype. And over the last five weeks, you've seen teams specifically like USC last week. Like, they're still 5-0. and They still have the best offense in the country. But a lot of teams are beginning to show some warts where I don't quite see those yet for the Ducks. And it's not that they're not apparent, but they just haven't played a Washington yet, which, hey, We'll find that out in a couple weeks. But it's just weird watching this Oregon team and seeing that they have a top 10 offense, a top 10 defense, um, and you're still not quite sure like how good all of that is. It was kind of a an interesting confluence like the last week or two because you had all the attention from the Colorado fallout, and then the numbers start rolling out where it's like top 10 this, top 10 right. this. The only team along with like a Michigan to have this. And you're starting to see those numbers where it's like, these are the numbers that usually show early in the season and indicate that this is a type of team that could, you know, be that that caliber of program moving forward. And it's the the headline of my story was it's not early anymore. And I did have a couple of people reach out and say it still is early, but and it is it is. But we're we're near nearly halfway through the season. Colorado has put up enough. Um, points against other teams that I think you can substantially look at that game and say Oregon stopped a good offense. Yeah. Like they they torched USC, especially in that second half. Um, so yeah, it, again, we'll we'll find out here in two weeks. Which hey, Washington escaped <laughs> Saturday night. They almost ruined it for everybody against Arizona, but they escaped. They're five and zero. This is going to be the first top ten matchup um, in the history of, of these two that. teams because usually. It's been that one or one team or the other has been not only ranked but often a, a top ten program. Because if you look back, I mean, Oregon had all those years, and then Washington had the years where they were competing, and then subsequently made the playoff under Chris Peterson, and then Oregon got back up there. And it, it's been pretty one sided the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, but last year kind of broke that mold a little bit. Yeah. Well, and and if I mean just dating back into the history before the nineties, it was just the Ducks weren't ever a top ten team, <laughs> you know, right. pr- prior until. Uh, the 1994 run. So uh, Washington w- was at points. I mean, they won a national title in the early 90s. But I'm yeah. I'm I'm stoked for that game. I I think that we're gonna have a lot of run up to that one. So we'll have time to kind of dive into more stuff. I, I do want to talk a little bit about just kind of Oregon at at the bye. Like 
are we buying in yet? Obviously, if you read my story, I'm kind of buying in, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm curious now that they've played a fair amount of football games, what are your kind of big hits and misses with this team? Before I get to that, I want to ask you a question, even though you did just write that piece. When you look at Oregon's um, game against Texas Tech, you wrote your kind of the seatbelt sign is on column after that, which I thought was a great way to put that in perspective. That's their kind of close call of the season. Very hostile environment. Definitely some things that showed up that maybe worried some people that have since been kind of put to rest. For you, what stops that from being Oregon's version of Washington versus Arizona last week or USC versus Colorado, that game where it's like, okay, this team is great, but they're not perfect. What What's different to you about those? I didn't like, I don't like the way USC closes games. I mean, that, that game was in, you know, you could make a case that it was Oregon's fault for coming out slow in the, uh, at the start against Texas tech. But I, I just have seen an Oregon team that finishes games where they didn't last year. I mean, that, Minus the the Bo Nix injury in the Washington game, that is really what took the Ducks down last year. Is they couldn't make a stop defensively in the second half mm. against Washington. They couldn't make a stop defensively in the second half against Oregon State. Their offense bailed them out in a game like Washington State, where they did play really good exactly. second half. But you're right, the defense. Now you probably have a lot more confidence in that unit in terms of they could swing a game down the street. Yeah, and and so for them to be able to make plays on the road against a... I don't think Texas Tech is a great football team, and we've seen that since, but that was a good offense. Um, They made plays in that you have a quarterback who you know can play in the fourth corridor and kind of... Sorry, in the fourth corridor. (laughs) Corridor, corridor, corridor. Um, And then... Just the the way they slammed the door on Colorado forty two to six, the way they slammed the door on Stanford forty two to six. I I just think they they're they're get you've seen a team that's been getting better, and I don't know if you've seen that quite yet from like a USC or a Washington. And and this is all nitpick. Like this this is the thing that I hate about college football though mm-hmm. too is we drastically change our opinions one week to the next because last week we were talking about how Washington is looking as good as anybody in the country, and they still very well maybe, but we just. I, I think I've seen Oregon kind of have an obstacle in that Texas Tech game. They survived it, and they've only looked really good since it. I'm I'm actually a little confused why almost you know across the board Washington is viewed as the better team in rankings. Do Do you think it's just because of the game last year? I don't because because before that game last year, Oregon was ahead of Washington in the rankings. Well, like they were. You know what it was in that game? It was. Oregon was six, yeah. and Washington was twenty five. Yeah. So I was gonna, you know, write about this in the next week or two. Like that game last year, I think you could make the argument started this even quicker ascent for, for Washington. Washington. Yeah. Because that was a huge moment for that program, for that quarterback, um, and you kind of see that that residue kind of falling over into the start of this season. Um, and I think you you mentioned what am I liking and not liking about Oregon. I think it's just, it's early. You would probably have liked to see them play a mid-tier Pac-12 team by yeah. now. But the fact of the matter is, there's a bottom, and and then there's contenders kind of right now. We, it still hasn't really parsed itself out. Arizona's a better, Colorado's so, probably so, that so, so I was, I was going to say, do you think Colorado's that team? I think I, I think they are. I, I didn't know how many points they put up on USC, and I know a lot of those came late, but they put up a lot of points on, yeah. on USC. Yeah. So it's hard to know because I know it's it's early, like you said, and there's all these numbers out there, but 
I don't know what team they could have played that would have swayed opinions one way or the other that they haven't. Um, that wouldn't be a game that could potentially swing the conference like the one in Seattle in two weeks. Right. What, is there anything else that jumps out to you about Oregon that, and we can get nitpicky here, that you, you haven't liked? Because I have one other thing that we've talked about before. but You know, you, you could say the penalties from earlier in the season, but they got better with that. I, this, say, this, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, already, they, yeah, they got better with that this last week. Um, I think they have 16 sacks through two Pac-12 they games. They already, I think, matched the number from last year in yeah. the entirety. Yeah. Um, I love watching their linebackers play. Like those guys are just all over the field, and their um, best—they're potentially their best linebacker, at least profile-wise. Justin Jacobs, potentially their best, hasn't even played yet. Yeah, and then the secondary has been hawking. Like I, I, I just Kyrie Jackson's injury will be interesting to watch. Ex- but, yeah. Exactly. So it's um, last year. They're again, maybe it's early, but at this point last year, you could see that the defense just wasn't clicking at mm-hmm. times. Like I remember. It was probably around this time last year. People were like, "Why does Noah Sewell only have 15 tackles through X amount of games? Why?" It was yeah. a lot of like, "Why isn't this happening?" And right now, it's more along the lines of like, "Why are these stats so good?" Yeah, because the it's Duc- more of a holy shit, this is happening. Yeah, because yeah. the Ducks have only allowed more than 10 points one time this year. And again, competition. Who knows how good it's been? But mm-hmm. that's 40 percent of your season at this point. Well, and and it's it's easy to have. Um, past defense metrics skewed early in the season when you are blowing people out because a la USC Colorado we go when teams are down they pass more right and Oregon's been slamming door early and then you know you know putting all their weight on that door and not letting up and um, so the fact that they're as high as they are and I don't know what they are exactly right now but I think they were top 20 in past defense is impressive I'm uh I, I went to the Oregon State Utah game on Friday and I'm still very intrigued by Oregon State I just think that they're in they're not an incomplete football team right now, but they're like, they're that kid in a class who a teacher gives like a C grade mm. because they know that it might, because they have the potential to grow into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Oregon State essentially dominated Utah in that game, but Utah without Cam Rising is not a team that's going to beat a defense that, or basically beat a sound football team like Oregon State. Watching, watching DJU is a fascinating experience it up close because you'll watch him make some 40 50 yard throws in the air where he's just flicking his wrist and that ball just sails and he's just dotting guys you'll also see him miss guys in the flat by about like four or five yards it's almost like a more polarized version of Bo (laughs) Nix so I'm glad you brought that up because before we transition fully to the Beavers Bo Nix has been really good there's still been some moments against this lesser competition where he's just missing specifically Troy Franklin, who's having a fantastic season but could be easily leading the nation in receiving yards where he's just missing him by a hair. And I, it's not a big reason to freak out. It's not a, I don't think Bo Nix is an elite quarterback. But there's going to be times when the quick passing stuff in the run game maybe isn't there or they have an opportunity to catch a team stumbling on their back foot. And I'm just what he hasn't put balls in the places deep that, there, that a Penix or a Ward or a Williams has There, done. there was one specifically this weekend. I think it was a pass. I think it was to Franklin. There was a where, Tess Johnson one for sure. Yeah, where it was, it was basically like a deep slant up the middle. And if Nix leads him or like hits a better, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, it's probably six points. Um, but there's it's, been one or two in every game. Yeah, and I there's there's part of me that 
I mean, I think it's just fair to say that like he's not as good of a pure passer as like a uh, Michael Penix is, but Michael Penix might also be the best pure passer in yeah. college football right now. Right. We're that's the other thing is we're putting him up against this insane kind of be- because because if let's say this was Bo Nix's first year at Oregon, we'd probably be singing nothing but praises right now. It's this yeah. guy's completing eighty percent of its passes. It's he has sixteen touchdowns and one interception. Yeah. Um, his ducks are five and zero. Oh. Um, you're but, right, you're right. But, but also knowing Knicks and knowing that he holds himself to a high standard and that he wants to be an NFL quarterback and probably he wants to be an NFL starting quarterback. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely some throws that he needs to improve upon this season. I think you're right, though. If we went back and looked at last season, it was probably very similar and we just weren't making a big deal of it because he was still putting up these insane numbers. That transitions back to DJU where I don't think anyone had a... Total command of, not command, total kind of direct expectation of, of what it was going to look like. But there's definitely some meat on the bone there. There just haven't been a very efficient passing attack. It killed them against Washington State. Um, but at the same time, like what they did well last year in terms of defense and run game, they've done well this year. You know, that Washington State game raised some flags about the secondary, but I also think Ward is great. You were at that game. Tell me more about what you saw. Oregon State's a physical football team, man. I've, I've seen Utah play a lot, and obviously college football rosters change over more now than they ever have before. But Utah is always just a sound physical football team. And they pushed them around. On, on both sides of the ball, and the Beavers were great defensively. They were great on that offensive line. Um, I liked the way that they used DJ a little bit more in the running game too. I mean, using that like 6'5", 245. Were you surprised that they hadn't to this point? Because I was a little bit. Uh, I I imagine with that, that it's more of a, like a kind of break in case of Mm. emergency. Not in case of emergency, but it's just, you know, kind of like pick your spots. And I I think if... a few years ago. Right. Or 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 like if he was more consistently stringing together like 10 and 15 yard passes, maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. have to lean on that side of the game quite as much. But um, I, I thought he played really calmly in, like, the second half of that yeah. game. I, I thought that his passes got better. Um, Bolden's a freaking athlete, man, and, like, being able to get him the ball in space. And I, I just love the creativity, too, of the the fourth and one in the second half where yeah. they came in. That was great and, and, it, and it looked like they were going to do the traditional, like, QB sneak, what everyone's doing mm-hmm. in football these days, and they're able to pitch it out. The, to, t- the tush push? Yeah, yeah, the tush push. You know, just one hand on the left cheek, one hand on the right cheek, and one guy up the middle, according <laughs> to Peyton Manning yesterday on uh, Monday Night Football. Um, yeah, so it's it's you, you see the potential of that team, and I still think that they have that potential to become a very formidable team. I just don't think that they were quite ready necessarily like four weeks into the year going into that Washington State game to be like, we're the done product who is ready to compete for a national. They, they, they could still very well p- compete for this Pac-12 title, but it's yeah. it's going to be a tough, tough road. I kind of liken it actually, and this is one thing that I've enjoyed and I think gives me confidence going forward. Um, again, I, there's an asterisk without um, camerizing. But they really were in control, essentially, that entire game. Uh, you know, I know that first half was like, all right, 7-0. When they When the way we were up 7-0, I told somebody in the press box, I was like, the game could end 7-0. Yeah. Like, like, Utah's not mounting a successful drive. And the one touchdown drive they did, it was, like, garbage time towards right. the end anyways. So I, I, I kind of, it makes me think about last season, and I, I can't remember which loss they were coming off of. It might have been the USC loss at home. 
where they then bounced back against, I think it was, yeah, it was Washington State last year, and they, they beat them like 24 to 10. I know it was at Reeser, but and they made Cam Ward look awful. It was like his least efficient game of the year. Um, and so for them to, to lose that really tough game on the road, which is, it looks better and better because I think the Cougars are kind of a tank right now. Yeah. Um, but then to bounce back and beat a, a Utah, I mean, they're right back in the thick of it. It, um, that was my first game at the renovated research too. Yeah, and and to, to come back for, to that for a top 25 game, it was, it was great, man. Yeah. Like the, um, the crowd was loud, but it also is a press box where the windows don't open. So mm-hmm. it's it's very there's a lot of NFL press boxes like this where it's just very you can't quite get like that full feeling, but then it it hits you right in the face when you then go out to the field and like yeah. then then you're on there. How does it? I know it's one game. How does it compare to Autzen for you, sound wise, vibe wise? It was it was. I mean, again, it's it's hard to compare one to the other. It was very loud. Um, the press box shakes up there a little bit too because mm. there's they built it up and there's seats right underneath you and so they're pounding their feet. Can't be worse than what we dealt with no, last year. No, 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 <laughs> not remotely. Um, it's it's unique in its own way. You know, Autzen Autzen kind of has a little bit of like a mystique to it, but like when you're on the field at this new racer, that that stadium goes like right. It goes pretty vertical up on you. I like a good vertical stadium. Yeah, it's what makes like uh, Husky Stadium look so yeah. daunting. I do. I also really do like. Um, if I was a fan, the the one thing that I like about baseball games is like there's a lot of places that you can go to just like drink your beer and like stand and watch and not necessarily. So be we in did your the seats. Braves Stadium, yeah, exactly, Atlanta, yeah. And that's um, the whole kind of main concourse at Oregon State is like they call it Beaver Street, and they that that was nice. And then you you saw it happening last year, and that was I was even just like when I leave the press box and kind of walk around, like I ended up wanting to just hang out there. Yeah, so it was. Um, it was it was a, it was a really cool Friday for Oregon yeah. State just to like be able to get that win. The rare it's, good Friday game too. Yeah, it, yeah, no, no kidding. Um, the funny thing, um, we walked down together during the Colorado game. Every time I go down to the field at Autzen, I'm like reminded how small it looks when you're on the field. <laughs> dude, I know it's loud dude, and the, there's a mystique, but it, it's not a big stadium by any means, and it just. You, you get down there, and, and everything when you're on the field level looks smaller. Like, even in Columbus when we got down there two yep. years ago, I was like, okay, it doesn't look quite as scary. And I'm sure the same thing will happen in Seattle. Do, do, you, re- do you remember being, made, maybe this is a unique-to-me memory, but I remember being, a, like, a kid and going to stadiums, uh, particularly, like, indoor arenas, maybe mm-hmm. NBA or NHL, and looking, like, across the ice to the other upper deck seats mm. and just thinking that that was on the other side of the freaking world. Yeah. Like, these places were so massive. And, again, you're a kid and you haven't been in stadiums every Saturday like I have now as an adult. Mm. But it's it's funny now as an adult to go to certain places that you grew up watching on TV or that you just think are these massive places. And they still are, but, like, your perception of them gets... Um, skewed very quickly in this business do you uh, this is actually transition to something else i want to ask you about but because we're both about to be in seattle in about two weeks time uh, a little less actually they started doing that light show on the t- the touchdown celebrations there's some nfl teams that do it the ravens come to mind it's it's pretty fucking cool or, or oregon state had that too like okay. like like it wasn't like the full-on with washington but like they have those led lights too you know granted it only works during night games and oregon's is going to be a noon 30 kickoff right. so uh, I, I i would imagine it's not going to be terribly long before Watson installs something like that because just, there, there's there's nothing that there's nothing cool in college football that oregon's like 
oh shoot right. we don't we don't have that <laughs> like, it's but it's, it's quite the i mean you really i mean they have to put these huge huge light rails up there i mean yeah. it's, it's not a small renovation but i would just imagine like i was watching who was it that washington played at night a few weeks ago i was watching it i think a, a dunes they had a touchdown i'm just imagining like if i was a college athlete and i'm running for a touchdown there and then you get in there and they're all doing their you know their celebrations yeah. and the lights are i mean that's probably pretty cool um do you mind if i oh, yeah, so i was gonna yeah. say we didn't talk about this when all the news broke, but now that the Pac-12 is in the swing of things and it's kind of hitting home every week that this is the last go, you've covered this conference for the better part of a decade. What has it been like for you to kind of, as you're writing these goodbye pieces, starting to realize that you're now yourself going to have to say goodbye to some places, and what are the ones you're going to miss? Yeah, place? yeah. I mean, this kind of goes back to last week I wrote like a, a goodbye to Stanford right. piece. I was going to do this with Colorado, and then there was just so much Colorado noise yeah. that it, I got sidetracked. But it's Also um, not as much to write about there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's interesting, man. Like, it's been it's been so bittersweet because, like, there there is still a, a – big part of me that knows that there are a lot of new stories coming and like the thought of Oregon going out and playing, you know, the Michigans and the Penn States and the Michigan States. Don't see my part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's really cool. And it's intriguing to me, especially as somebody who is, um, you know, you cover a beat for 10 years. It starts to feel like Groundhog Day a bit. Has it been 10 years now? This is, this is my 10, this is my 10th season. Okay. As soon as I said better part of decade i was like it's been a decade i was thinking at the end of this year of like doing like a the best of the i5 corridors camera roll for 10 years on the beat and like go through what you you pulled out a nice one for that sanford piece yeah i'm I'm hoping to do that for i won't do it for washington and you like the teams that they're going with but i'm hoping to do it for arizona and and some of those others um but that kind of goes back into the 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 pac-12 had this unique thing of like it still matters nationally but you still kind of feel like you're in our little special mm-hmm. nook of the world and it, it just I, I think that i'm going to miss kind of some of the this is so vague but like the neighborhoody feeling of yeah. like just covering this conference like i know all the writers that cover the pac-12 i know a lot of the coaches now i know a lot of the people who work for the pac-12 um who took like a lot of pride in this and like you know those are the people that are getting kind of like I'm I'm certain everyone's going to be fine getting new jobs, but it's just kind of like uh, it's been the same team playing for a long time, and then it's just like you you disband and like you go your separate ways. So I'm going to miss some of that and just like the familiarity of of running into people. Yeah. Because um, you know they go to the Big Ten, like that's going to be such a big conference, and I imagine just the ability to make inroads with some of the people who matter is mm-hmm. just going to be that much more competitive and like just that much more. Um, corporate everything's gonna change someone made a point on a podcast i was listening to the other week that like when a michigan or an ohio state comes to Austin, Austin will be different it won't be as loud and organ centric because these these teams they bring a they bring their bands they bring a big fan base with them and so there's a lot of things that i think until we see it we just won't be prepared for is there a uh, a road trip or two you'll miss the most because i was thinking about it you know, I've I've been to the Rose Bowl. I went down to Cal. Talk about neighborhoody feel. Yeah, um, I've obviously been to Husky Stadium and to research, but I think that was it. Unless I'm missing one. You honestly, God, like I'm gonna miss the the mountain road trip quite a bit, especially uh, during basketball season, yeah. where it's you go to Salt Lake and then you go to Boulder or vice versa. Um, you know, Colorado wasn't a great Pac-12 member, but 
Utah was. Like, Utah was a dominant team on the basketball front. It was a dominant team on the football front. Mm-hmm. Uh, their fans are travel incredibly well. My, my favorite thing, probably covering Oregon and the Pac-12 throughout my whole career, has been the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas and just seeing the competing red factions of of Arizona versus Utah fans that show up there because like both of those teams were just like way into their college basketball. You've talked about that a few times, yeah. Yeah. Just like way into their college basketball and you know maybe it's not uh, Indiana or Purdue or some of those teams out there but like it's very proud out here Um, and uh, yeah you know I I think that the walking through the MGM's uh, basketball venue and uh, just kind of the camaraderie amongst all the different competing Pac-12 fan bases that were there. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a friendly, but also competitive. But it's it's people n- kind of knew the history around that too, and I think you're losing a little bit of that when all of a sudden you're just going to be like, what's like what's an Oregon and um, Nebraska fan, you know, argue about or you know, just like yeah. stupid. Like, and it's it's it'll probably be fine, but. Like, There's a lot of preconceived notions, I think, about the whole thing, too. On, just I just mean on the on-field or on-court stuff. Like, I think people are, are downplaying how big of a move it's going to be basketball-wise for, yeah. for Oregon. Um, but you look at, like, a on the football side, and I know it's easy to say that this year when the Pac-12 is historically strong throughout, Big Ten football outside of, like, three or four teams is disgusting. Yeah. And it has been disgusting. And so I, I think, you know, pretty soon some of these Pac-12 teams we're going to include are going to get kind of sucked down into just the, the pit of despair a little bit. It was like, not to say that they'll struggle, I just think it's going to be ugly, disgusting games a lot of the time. Going back to what you were saying about traveling fan bases and yeah. stuff like that too, like, you know, every year whenever Oregon has like a big non-conference game, you'll you'll see a fair amount of Oregon fans get out to Ohio State or yeah. like to that Georgia game. But even in those instances, it's it's way outnumbered, mm-hmm. um, and that's usually like, you know, there's a, there's some very fortunate Oregon fans who are able to travel for like every game. But I know a lot of people kind of like pick and choose one or two road trips to try to get to a year. A lot of these Big Ten places aren't like at super ex- like it's it's there's no easy route from Eugene or Portland to a lot of these places, yeah. and so it's going to be it's yeah. going to be expensive. It's going to be time consuming. Um, and they're they're in cities, with the exception of a few, that aren't particularly nice. And <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to make a lot more sense for Big Ten fans oh. or, or alumni that have the. Uh, fiscal capacity and ability to travel to want to go to these West Coast schools. You know the LA's, the Oregon, Washington, because it's 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 a, it, you can make a full trip out of it. Right. You're not going to go down. I mean, Ann Arbor is beautiful. I that, that's why there. Wisconsin always travels so well to the Rose Bowl. You know, <laughs> well, and, well, actually, you know, Madison is super nice. Yeah, but uh, East Lansing. Yeah. Oh man, that honest to God, when Oregon played East uh, Michigan State in 2015 for that one, that's probably my least favorite road trip that I've had. That's, um, that I had a, city. I had, I had a flight. Sucks. I had, I had to stay in like West Lansing, which is even yeah. worse. Uh, Lansing in general is just a tough place <laughs> yeah. to be. I think my I think my hotel was behind an Applebee's. Yeah. Um, it's as dark and cold as Oregon gets in the in the late fall, but it's not pretty. Yeah. By any means, there's no trees, you know. So, is there one to, to close this conversation? Is there one road trip, one school? You you mentioned Utah. I mean, you've been down to L.A. several times. I know that that'll still be happening, yeah. us, but is there one place you'll miss the most? Um, I I very much enjoy getting 
to Tempe, mm. having a nice drink out Friday night in like shorts and a t-shirt, mm-hmm. Saturday morning, getting up and hiking Camelback, mm. coming down, going and covering a football game. I wish I'd get, a, get, a, get a little bit of a sunburn yeah. and come back home. Pretty nice. It's, 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 I, football's a different animal, but I am still amazed that Oregon and Oregon State are able to pull baseball recruits from the state of Arizona or that Arizona doesn't get just their complete pick of the litter because right. in January, if I'm a baseball player, sun's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Any, we're not going to go full deep into the Blazers here. We will, we'll do a, we'll do more of a preview podcast in the couple weeks, in a couple weeks when we the season's coming already, around, but yeah. just they, since we recorded, they, they flipped through, they got quite a bit of defensive pieces. Kind of looks like a nice trade for the Blazers. Yeah. I mean, they also will probably still trade Malcolm Brogdon, I would assume. Although I, I think he's at, at some point they, they got to like set the roster, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and fact of the matter is they have three really interesting young guards. They don't have a fourth guard and they don't have a guard with much, unless I'm forgetting someone with much veteran experience. And we were talking about this the other day, maybe even before we recorded, you don't want to have all 21, 22, 23 year olds. You want someone in there with a little bit, especially yeah. because a guy like Aiden is now viewed as older and he's spent his whole media day time. Oh my God. I was about to say like, mm. I, there should be one player, one center that gives himself a nickname, and that was Shaq. And then I think after that, like, just... Yeah, we'll see how that goes over. I don't hate the confidence, and I also think, like, he... Do you think writers should have nicknames more often? Like, I, I feel like this is a pretty pretty nicknameless. Like, give me a... Do you have anything with your name that could work? Let's continue. Okay, we'll do it. Maybe we'll do a draft of that later. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think that I think the Drew trade made a lot of sense because Robert Williams, like if he was coming in and he was expected to be the starting center, given how injury prone he's been, I don't think that would make much sense. But to have him maybe pair with Aiton, I don't think they'd be on the court together too much. But as insurance for one another, I really like. All of a sudden, you went from probably the worst center situation in maybe the league. I, I liked Eubanks, but with Nurk, like to maybe one of the most exciting and defensively, certainly one of the better ones. Um, and it clears the way for these young guards. I just, I don't think you can say enough about what Cronin did the last few weeks now. Who, uh, who's the best team in the NBA right now? Yeah, because I guess the Celtics get a lot better. I, I'm gonna still say the Nuggets. I, I, I don't think that the hype for the Bucks and the Celtics is undeserved, and I think it's very likely that it'll be one of those years where people will start saying the Eastern Conference Finals is the the finals. But the Nuggets did. Did the Lakers get better at all? The, the Lakers because that, that, that's that's man still going back and and watching that or remembering the Western Conference Finals which was a sweep right but that was the that was probably, that was probably the most competitive sweep I've ever seen like all yeah. those games were were pretty darn close um, I just for me with the Nuggets you could make the argument they got worse through who they lost versus who they added this offseason, and you can make the inverse argument with the Lakers Anthony Davis had a good bill of health when it mattered last year. Don't know if that'll happen again. Yeah, what are the chances of that happening right. two years in a row? Uh, LeBron, again, like, I don't want to be the guy that's like, this is the year, but I don't think it's getting better. Yeah. And meanwhile, I think the Nuggets are. I don't really see that being a team where the, the kind of the disease of more sets in because of Jokic and what that does where he kind of permeates that down the roster. So I would say the Nuggets, but, I mean, I can't wait for that first Celtics um Bucks game. Yeah, it's going to be fun. 
I'm excited. I can't believe how quick the NBA season snuck up on me. Like we had media day Monday, and now all of a sudden I was te- preseason. I was, I was texting with uh, Greif yesterday, and I had forgotten that it was media day. And I, I was like, "Hey, you got any ideas for Washington Week?" He's like, "I'm fresh out, man." And I was like, "Then I saw him like tweeting about Kawhi, and I was like, oh, right. Like you're you're gone the next nine months. Like I'll yeah. I'll talk to you later, but he doesn't get a break, does he? No, man." Well, and what's cool about his job too is like he really enjoys what he's able to do when off the beat. Like, like Grife's like huge in the track and field, and has kind of been establishing the LA Times presence there, like leading up to the next Olympics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know if I could do like the full NBA beat writer grind, man. There's I, a lot to write about at all times of the year, but to have to pump out content at, is at the best. same time, my Marriott status is as bad as it's been since i got into this business is that, so. i was actually just thinking about the other day should i is that something i should start doing as well a you little... should probably get like a job first yeah probably yeah um anything else oh you have a cool piece that's out on the corridor today um you went and profiled ricky bella the the head chef at yeah palomar am i pronouncing that correctly palomar. um just, I, I would really high re- highly recommend everyone who's listening to this. Uh, it's a free story today up on the corridor. It is not sports related. It's more kind of, I mean, there's some, some, bla- there's but... some blazers layered in, but um, Shane came to me with an idea of uh, you and your buddy Linus wanted to do like an audio visual writing combo story. And uh, I, I thought this came together really nicely. It was super fun. I mean, I think you could probably relate to this when you are so used to doing one type of writing about one type of thing. Any chance you get to branch out, there's a little bit of anxiety that comes with that. And then it's immediately filled with this sense of like admiration for something that's different and pride for the work that comes together. And there's always going to be some hiccups. And I think this is far from a finished product in terms of the vision for a story like this and the multimedia aspect. But it was really fun to just get a fresh perspective on things and quite honestly to talk to someone that wasn't a coach or around sports. (laughs) Well, and and that's, that's what I thought was cool too, because if you go through and read the story, as you can hear my dog barking in the background, um, if you go through and read the story, you, you, you would text me and was just like, Hey, can we attach audio snippets and layer them within the story? Um, and with Substack, you can do that. And it, it just adds us so much of a different color and flavor mm-hmm. to it than like just, you know, I've been talking to Dan Lanning way too much. Did, did, it, did seeing that, oh, I didn't know how easy it was either, but did you seeing, did you seeing that and how it played out? The, 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 the gears in my brain are going. I yeah. was going to say, do you yeah. have any ideas of how you might move yeah, forward? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, honest to God though, too, you've probably run into this where you are doing an interview and you're like, man, like actually the audio from this is really good. And like the way that this, you know, we, we take a lot of pride in Bill though like illustrate through our stories of like how somebody talks or sounds or whatever but like sometimes especially in, in this case with ricky like they just talk in such a certain way that it just I, I like the way that that is able to highlight certain things that maybe the writing's not able to even when the audio quality isn't amazing like i don't think it was amazing for the story and if you were doing a phone interview it certainly wouldn't be but we goes back to what we were talking about a week or two ago now where it's just there's that, that line of like, do I include this? Do I not? And if it could be summed up in like a minute long or, or really ideally less audio clip, then it's like perfect because it, it does your job without you having to do much. Right. It's, it's like they, they kind of complement each other. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, so I would, you know, I'm hoping to see you do more stuff like that. What, I think what, in general, it's really cool. What did you eat when you were at Palomar? So I went back. So I didn't, I didn't eat anything the day that we were there. I went back, um, had some croquet. 
cro- croquettes. 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 Those have been on the menu for a while, so I don't think that was a, a Ricky Bella thing, but those were delicious. Ceviche, that was really tasty. Um, we got a, I believe it was a tuna dish. That was pretty tasty as well. Kind of just sear on the outside. It had some nice accompaniments. And then um, a really good fried rice, shrimp, nice. pork belly. But there was so much that I wanted to get, and I'm I'm definitely that person that goes to restaurants, and I'm like, I'll order this, but can you get this so I can try that? Exactly. Which I'm liking that more places are going the family dining route where it's like get a few things and share. Um, but it's a, it was a phenomenal. I, I'm I get so stressed out in those situations to be yeah. honest because I go through like the like the inner fat guy thing of like <laughs> will this be in, like what if I like this more right. than that one and like, it's not bad to have leftovers uh, yeah and, uh, but you like I also don't want to like look like I'm hoarding this one <laughs> yeah. If, yeah it's tasty I would recommend it I I will be going back um, yet another great restaurant I've had since I've been here any other food places you've been to lately. Oh man, I, I gotta start writing them down when I go. I went back to Eam. I was I was just about to say like I'm I I have a problem and my problem is the the Eam fried rice and sweet and sour chicken. I get that like once every two weeks. It's, I don't blame you. It's hard to get a table there. I, oh, I, I I I get it for pickup and I just like oh, come and mount it. That's such yeah. a good idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went back there. I tried a few more of their cocktails, which were really tasty too. One was like a carrot, <laughs> carrot base, and it was like surprisingly tasty. Um, sweet and sour chicken, obviously all their rices and curries are delicious. And then they have this little, I don't remember what they called it, but it's a, it's a raw fish deal where you have this really nice sour sauce, tangy, okay. uh, crudo, maybe they, I don't know. It wasn't even crudo. I don't know what they called it, but mm-hmm. it was delicious. Okay. You went to any pizza places recently? No, I've been, I've been clean. Like the last, like wow. I haven't had a slice in like two weeks. Unfortunately, you know, no new places have opened yeah. up in the neighborhood <laughs> in the last two weeks. So it's been, no, we, 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 we do need the definitive rankings from you soon. That, that might not be a bad, uh, it would have been a good bye week thing. Yeah. I don't know if you can haul that together right now, but no, that, that'd be, that'd be a, cause I mean, I, that's something that I would actually take seriously. Yeah, of course. Unlike this football junk. Right. Um, we've been getting back into the. This is what happens when I eat out too much is my middle ground to get back into cooking at home is to start doing like the HelloFresh and every plates and okay. that sort of thing. I've never done any of those. Um, actually, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, at this point, and we're not sponsored, but hey, Mr. EveryFresh, if, <laughs> Every <Fresh, laughs> if you're listening, you know, hook us up. Uh, we got space for products right here. I mean, we got the, the corridor. Since, since yeah. like in this house, there's just two of us. Grocery shopping for recipes for like two people is freaking expensive these days, and so like you're almost making it sound like I live here with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, my old wife Shane. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a nice way to like kind of yeah. like I'll, we'll do it for uh, a couple weeks, and by the end of it, it's like I start thinking like I'd rather I have better ideas of what to do with this mm. than than the, and so then that and then that's what gets me back into. To buying food at the grocery store. You, you've and, been known to make a mean sandwich or burger here or there. Oh yeah, I, I text every once in a while. Like, is, is that kind of your your specialty in the kitchen? Uh, you know, kind of like my work here at the I five corridor. I don't try to like pin myself down into like one right. one thing. Um, Obviously, it's all substance based. Yeah, I make a, I make I make a pretty mean um, mushroom pasta. Really? I make I'm, I'm I'm pretty good at barbecue. Yeah. Um, What's the key to the mushroom pasta? A good wine. 
I, uh, in the sauce or just with it, it, the in, pasta? In, in, in the sauce. Okay. In the, in the, I, it's, it's more the sauce that I'm, I'm good right. at making there. It's like, okay. a, it's like a cream wine. You mm. reduce it down, mix it in with a little okay. bit of Worcestershire and uh, caramelize some onions. Okay, I'm yeah. going yeah. to make that one of these times. I mean, if anything, I'm hitting at least the keywords that sound good. Yeah, we uh, can have it wor- like, presented Worcestershire. For, the, Worcestershire. for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Time, um, now that we're doing this on video, hello, America. Goodbye, America. And if you want... We could put your logo right here. Just get in touch. Hopefully, maybe a caffeine-related product reaches out to us. Do you, do you think I haven't been lively? Is that? I, I haven't been. I mean, it is by week. Yeah. Guess what? Well, next week's Washington week, so I don't think that'll be an issue. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.